0: Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear.
1: Where is the security the Council needs to guarantee? It's not there.
0: And I'm asking the United States to help us to do everything in our power not to go to war with Russia. Crisis on the southern border. They're projecting 500,000 people in the next five weeks. What's going on with Hunter Biden right now? Hunter Biden's laptop. Tiger Woods. Just feel like I am going to play. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Laprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. News and Views for a Wednesday. Did you see the video? I mean, everybody's seen it. If, if you've uh, gone online or watched any uh, newscasts, yesterday Obama was at the White House lying about how wonderful Obamacare is. Remember, Obamacare originally was there because they said certain people couldn't afford health care and it was going to be, bring us inexpensive health care. And they don't even talk about that anymore. Now it's all about Obamacare is there for people who can't get health care. It's the only way they can get health care. They don't talk about how inexpensive it is because it's not inexpensive, But Obama was there, and listen, the whole reason he was there was what I was talking to one of our callers the other day. He's trying to get the black vote. That's how bad it is for Democrats. The votes that they are supposed to have come to them automatically, without even blinking an eye, they're losing. So why was Obama there? Obama was there trying to shore up the shellacking but what was sad and i'm not crying any uh alligator tears but what was sad was by the way uh clark apparently the cable's not on um joe biden walking around while everyone is talking to obama he looked like a lost soul wandering around in the mall Looking for the ice cream shop, it was it was uh, sad. I, in all honesty, it was just downright sad. And then he tries to come up behind Obama and he has his hand on his shoulder, trying to get Obama's attention. Look at me! I mean, this is the president of the United States of America in a room packed with people, and nobody wants to have anything to do with him. I mean, It was bizarre. I mean, you're hearing a lot of people say the president is toxic. Don't come campaign with me. That would be the kiss of death. Apparently, it's the kiss of death, even if you're at a private event to go rub shoulders with a guy. That's how bad it is. don't, Don't catch me on camera standing next to the president. That's what it looked like. I mean, it was sad. The 45th president, Donald Trump, has announced that his event on Saturday down in Johnson County, the Eastern North Carolina event, which is primarily put together to support Ted Budd, but uh, they have widened the number of folks that will be speaking, including Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, U.S. Representative Dan Bishop, Our own Greg Murphy will be down there on Saturday as well. He, they will be joining Ted Budd and Madison Cawthorn. Now, that is going to be awkward. I'm not going to name names, but that is going to be awkward. Some of the people I've mentioned, I can tell you, aren't Madison Cawthorn fans. And they're going to be up on the stage as a team of one, supposedly. Now, I, I don't think it's going to get ugly. If anybody says anything that gets ugly, it's probably not going to be those that would be critical of Madison Cawthorne. Uh, I am I mean, it's called news and views for a reason, but I, I it's going to be awkward. It's going to be very awkward because some of the people that will be on the stage have not – they haven't said ugly things about Madison, but they have certainly questioned his judgment. Dallas Woodhouse has a new article out today talking about the Madison-Cawthorne race, which is over in the 11th Congressional District. And there was one poll out, we mentioned it a couple of months back, where Madison-Cawthorne, well, a couple of months, right after the um, the date passed to, to uh register as a a candidate with the Board of Elections uh, for that 11th Congressional District. So that was probably, what, six, seven weeks ago. And um, Madison Cawthorn had a substantial lead. Uh, That race has gotten real, real tight. An internal memo obtained by the Carolina Journal claims that Chuck Edwards, candidate for the far western 11th Congressional District, has got some pretty good momentum toward defeating incumbent U.S. Representative Madison Cawthorn. The memo shows polling data from Edwards' campaign pollster Glenn Bulger with public opinion strategies, a three-time winner of the Republican Pollster of the Year. The memo references a new campaign poll conducted April 2nd through the 4th, so it was just earlier this week. 300 likely voters. Bulger claims the race has tightened by 12 points in the last three weeks, as Cawthorn's ballot support has dropped from 52 percent to 44 percent. In March, Cawthorne led Chuck Edwards 52 percent to 20 percent, a 32-point lead. In this survey, Cawthorne's lead has shrunk to 44 percent to 24 um, percent. The April poll shows six other candidates combined for 15 percent, another for 16 that are undecided, hoping to capitalize. Listen, if you're undecided at this point, I don't think you're going to be voting for Madison Cawthorne. I mean, Madison Cawthorn has the name ID, but I, my hunch is you're, I, this is going to be a close race. Hoping to capitalize on the shift, the memo outlines a plan inside the Edwards campaign to call for outside help in closing the gap. Bolger's research indicates the more the voters know about the two candidates, the better they like Mr. Edwards. Among the findings, among the 60% of voters who have heard of both candidates, it's a 34% Edwards, 38% Cawthorn race. So the number of people that are familiar with the two candidates, Cawthorne only leads by 2%. Among the 37% who have an opinion on both candidates, it is Edwards 41%, Cawthorne 35%. Cawthorne's image has shifted a net 20 points negative, which indicates further ballot tightening for the incumbent. In March, Cawthorne had a 62% favorable unfavorable image a plus 38 his image has now dropped to 53% favorable 35% unfavorable a plus 28 image so he's gone from a plus 38 to a plus 18. Um, Cawthorn has just proven himself to be his own worst enemy I'm sorry uh, for you Cawthorn fans and yes I'm glad he is very conservative But uh, he has, he sort of stepped in it. Carolina Journal is also reporting a chairman for the North Carolina Senate Redistricting and Elections Committee is raising concerns about the state Supreme Court speeding up the judicial process for highly political cases. This is what I talked about yesterday when this came out. A news release Wednesday from Senator Warren Daniel from Burke, Republican from Burke County carries the headline, Deja Vu, plaintiffs Asked Supreme Court to Sidestep Court of Appeals. Quote, in another attempt to circumvent the North Carolina Court of Appeals, plaintiffs in the felon voting case filed a bypass petition with the state Supreme Court this week. Daniel's release reported, if granted, the case CSI versus Moore would become the latest in a string of highly political cases where the Democratic-majority Supreme Court has sidestepped the standard judicial process. The Supreme Court has not yet announced whether it will take up the case, Community Success Initiative versus Moore. The case could open the door for 56,000 felons to register to vote in North Carolina elections. Felons on probation, parole, and post-release supervision would be eligible. A Superior Court panel split two to three, uh, two to one, rather, in a March 28th ruling striking down the state's law regarding restoration of felons' voting rights. The North Carolina Court of Appeals issued a temporary stay on Tuesday, blocking that court ruling. Both of the trial judges who supported the voter registration for felons are Democrats. The sending trial judge is a Republican. Republicans outnumber Democrats on the Court of Appeals 10 to 5. Uh, the Democrats outnumber Republicans on the Supreme Court four to three. So, uh, as I said yesterday, ah, don't be surprised if the Supreme Court said that eh, we'll take that from you. Uh, we, we'll be able to handle that. You, yeah, you know, you Court of Appeals, uh, we'll, we'll we'll be happy to take that from you. Yeah. Uh, don't be surprised if they take it from you, and don't be surprised if they uh, decide to uh, allow felons to vote. Just saying. Once again, there is another situation where we have parents upset with public school school boards and school administrations based on the the same thing we've talked about for how many months now? Now it's up in Wake County. The Wake County school system was accused by a group of protesters yesterday of promoting pornography and sexualizing students because of some books with sexual content in school libraries. Listen, it, it's not only just some sexual content. I mean, the News and Observer sets this up like, oh, you know, this is just, you know, it's just, they, they mention a couple of words somewhere in there that people might be uncomfortable with. No, there's a definite theme in these books. That is all about illicit sexual content. Dozens of angry parents protested outside Tuesday's Wake County School Board meeting accusing the district of distributing books that they claim were like Playboy Magazine. Such books as Gender Queer and Lawn Boy have come to fire because some say they contain graphic sexual situations. I mean, we've talked about this with numerous people uh, about these two particular books. There is no excuse, no educational merit to convincing children that a 10-year-old should be engaging in oral sex, and that is the content of these books, said Beatrice uh, Satenic. Satinic is a candidate for school board and organizing the Pavement Education Project, which organized the rally. She claimed that these kind of books are making children more susceptible to becoming victims of sexual abuse. But defenders of the book note that those being targeted for removal frequently are about people of color and the LGBT community. Well, that's not the theme of the books. The theme of the books is sexual perversion. Uh, That's what the author wanted to be the core that would attract. Now, it's not attractive at all, but that's that's, that's the gravitas of these books. Bizarre gravitas. Some people, including school librarians and students, have spoken out at the school board meetings against the book removal efforts. Listen, I, I mean, we're talking about minors here. Those speakers argued that students feel more representative when they see people like them in the books in the libraries. I, I'm sorry, but this is not just about... This is This is recruitment for more people to be like the characters in the book. And again... These materials in the hands of minors, and even in high school, a lot of these kids are minors, it is against the law. It's criminal. If you were to hand this stuff to minors and say, read this, you could be arrested as you're, you're a purveyor of obscene material and handing it over to minors. By the way, as a side note, and uh, kudos to uh, this uh, woman, Beatrice Statenik, who's uh, running up in Wake County, but um, just yesterday, there was a school board, I'm assuming this is a primary, but there was a school board election, and anti-CRT, anti-transgender, anti-woke candidates swept the election go google go google something like republicans sweep school board race just go google that phrase and you will see dozens of articles pop up about how republican conservatives are running for school board and they're winning i mean people are people are sick of it people have had enough and by the way up in kenosha county wisconsin for the first time in decades, now, and I, I, granted, this is not a major office holder, although it's important. Now, Kenosha will ring a bell because that's the town that police shot Jacob Blake, a black man, when he was in a car and reached for a knife and... Uh, he ended up being paralyzed from the waist down. And that caused a bunch of riots. And that was the impetus for Kyle Rittenhouse to go and defend Friends' car dealer lot. And of course, Kyle Rittenhouse had to defend himself and uh, ended up shooting and killing individuals. And he was acquitted for those crimes. It has been decades since Republicans have won anything in Kenosha County, Wisconsin. And uh, just yesterday, the Wisconsin-Kenosha County executive flipped red for the first time in decades. Uh, All I'm saying is these are just uh, little hints as to what will probably happen in November. I have got a great piece by... Victor Davis Hanson called The Real Reset is Coming. I'm going to share that with you as soon as we get back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. April the 6th, 2022, 92 years ago today, in 1930, the Hostess Twinkie was invented. In fact, we still have some of the original ones from 92 years ago. (laughs) Inconceivable! Uh, Take a look at your weather forecast. Tonight, thunderstorms will be rolling in, low near 65. Chance of rain is 70%. Tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms in the morning. And potentially, tomorrow afternoon, late, we could have more, and some could uh, be rather severe. Chance of rain tomorrow, 80%. Friday, it cools down a little bit, a high of 68, uh, but lots of sunshine. And uh, Saturday and sunshine, Saturday and and Sunday, lots of sunshine, uh, but a little cooler. Highs will only be in the low 60s on uh, the weekend, so... uh, That's not bad. I mean, if we had 60s in the middle of uh, January, we'd think it was great. But it's in the middle of April. So let's get a little warmer, shall we? Victor Davis Hanson has come out with a column, The Real Reset. Now, unfortunately, the news is so bad with Biden in the White House and everything he's doing is wrong. And by the way, he uh, today came out and uh, had a little supposed joke. Uh, He was talking to some union workers joking about the possibility of uh, the Russia invasion of Ukraine to expand to directly involve U.S. military on Wednesday, telling union workers, if I've got to go to war, I'm going with you guys. Uh, This is the problem with Joe Biden. He, He has no filter. He literally has no filter. And when he says things like that, people around the world take notice. Not good, Joe. Again, there's so much negative news out there with Joe in charge, with the Democrats in charge of the House and the Senate. Uh, It's not good. But Victor Davis Hanson has a column that sort of goes along with what I've been saying already on the program. It's called The Real Reset is Coming. He writes, Joe Biden believes Ukraine war will mark the end to the start of a new world order. I'm sorry, we'll mark the start of a new world order. In the middle of the COVID global pandemic, Klaus Schwab and global elites likewise announced the Great Reset. According to the nation, uh, accordingly, the nations of the world would have to surrender their sovereignty to an international body of experts. They would enlighten us on taxes, diversity, and green policies. When Trump got elected in 2016, marquee journalists announced partisan reporting would have to displace the old, supposedly disinterested approach to the news. There's a common theme here, Hansen writes. In normal times, progressives worry that they do not have public support for their policies. Only in crises do they feel that the political left and the media can merge to use These times to ram through usually unpopular approaches to foreign and domestic problems. We saw that last year, fleeing from Afghanistan, the embrace of critical race theory, trying to end the filibuster, pack the court, junk the electoral college, nationalize voting laws. These, quote, new orders and, quote, resets always entail far bigger government and more unelected, powerful bureaucracies, Elites assume that their radical changes in energy use, media reporting, voting, sovereignty, racial and ethnic quotas will never quite apply to themselves, the architects of such top-down changes. So it's we common folks, we're the ones who must quit using fossil fuels, but not those who use the corporate jets. Walls will not mar our borders, but we will use walls to protect the homes of Nancy Pelosi, Mark Zuckerberg, and Bill Gates. Biden, Hunter Biden's laptop will be declared by fiat, not news. In contrast, the fake Alpha Bank collusion narrative will be national headlines for weeks and weeks and weeks. Middle class lifestyles will be curbed as we're instructed to transition to apartment living and mass transit. But the Obamas will still keep their three mansions. In truth, we're about to see a radical reset of the current reset a radical reset of the current reset. It will be a different sort of transformation than the elites are expecting and one they should fear greatly. The world and the United States are furious over hyperinflation that soon may exceed 10% per year. We will be lucky if it ends only in recession or stagflation rather than global depression. The mess was created by the same system who bought into modern monetary theory, That silly university idea claimed that prosperity would follow vastly expanding the money supply, keeping interest rates at the de facto zero levels, running huge annual deficits, piling up unsustainable national debt, and subsidizing workers to stay home. Natural gas and oil costs are now soaring to unsustainable levels, and to the point where the middle class simply will not be able to travel, keep warm, or keep cool. Both in Europe and the United States, left-wing governments deliberately curb drilling and non-Russian pipelines. They shut down the nuclear power plants and subsidized costly, inefficient solar and wind projects. They ended up not with utopia, but with fuel shortages, high prices, and energy dependency on the world's most repressive regimes. The woke revolution in the West was supposed to teach us that the white male-dominated Western world was toxic. Its origins, ascendance, and current leisure and affluence were supposedly due only to systemic exploitation, racism, and sexism. Elites introduced cancel culture, doxing, deplatforming, and social banishment, banishment to shame these supposed exploiters and to destroy their lives and careers. Few asked how a supposedly noxious West of some 2,500 years duration came to be the number one destination of millions of global non-Western migrants and offered the greatest degree of global prosperity and freedom for its citizens. So a reset reckoning is coming in reaction to new orders championed by Biden and the Davos set in November of 2022. The midterms were likely to see a historic no to the orthodox left-wing agenda that has resulted in unsustainable inflation, unaffordable energy, war, and humiliation abroad, spiraling crime, racial hostility, and arrogant defiance from those who deliberately enacted these uh, disastrous policies. What will replace it in return is to what we, until recently, knew worked. Closed and secure borders with only legal and measured migration will return. Americans will demand tough police enforcement and deterrent citizen, uh, sentencing and a return to integration and the primacy of individual character rather than a separatist fixation on the color of our skin. I will say this, though. I, I think it's a great piece, and it, it gives you some hope as to what is going to happen. And you know what? you know what the silver lining is? for the lying journalists that blatantly lie about things like the Hunter Biden laptop and numerous other things that lied about Donald Trump and the Russian dossier. I mean, the, the lies uh, are just, I mean, you see them day after day after day. They've overplayed their hand. Any average American who actually takes the time to be informed sees what's happening at the gas pump and then reads the paper and says, wait a minute, I'm seeing these things and yet you're lying to me in the paper about them and even now we see much of the media uh, turning on Trump for I mean turning on Biden for sure I I, I I I think part of it is they're done with Biden they realize he's a useless old doddering fool but part of it too is they don't want to be caught with their pants down in other words they don't want to be find that Things like the Hunter Biden laptop is absolutely true. And uh, they, they want to try to uh, cover their butts that, oh, oh, we reported about that. Yeah, yeah, we reported about that. Yeah, after you lied about it for two years. But the good news is the American public has seen the lies and they're not buying it. And uh, whether you're a liberal or you're a conservative, you don't like paying $5 for a gallon of gas. End of report. Uh, let's take another timeout, shall we? Get to your phone calls five six one eight two five five. Give us a call. We'll be right back. To news and views. Talk 96.3 and 1037. 561 five, five. Lang has been waiting patiently. Hey, Lang. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you.
1: Wanted to make a comment about your Madison uh, Cawthorn piece. Uh, I don't know the guy at all, really, but uh, you probably heard the phrase where Democrats gets in trouble and the Democrats circle the wagons and Republicans eat their own. And um, that's exactly what's happening in this case. I think Mark Levin had a a great uh, analysis last night, I thought. And what he suggested is maybe instead of tearing Madison Cawthorn down like Mitt Romney and some other rhinos have done, is that some Republicans should be taking him under their wing. Since he's such a young guy, he's 26, 27 years old, something like that, and and um, taking him under his, their wing and advising him instead of tearing him down and and making the really the whole party look bad. So,
0: well, um, in, in anyway, all honesty, that's what I thought, Lang. I mean, I think I think that is great advice. I think Madison Cawthorn, though, is unfortunately. He, he's. I've had a little interaction with his campaign, and they, in all honesty, and since you brought up that point, I will say that they're very cocky, and I don't know that they would take advice. I mean, a, a, a smart young man would be seeking that kind of stuff out. And I agree with you. That, you know, it, it is a it is a wise thing for an older man to take a younger man under his wing. But if the younger man is rebellious, it makes it sort of hard. Uh, also, you know, these other people. The I mean, Chuck Edwards is a is a strong businessman, very conservative. And thirdly, I understand what you're saying, but Mattis. I mean, these wounds are self inflicted. I mean, he, the the guy has. I mean, he's it he, he just politically speaking they're foolish decisions that he has made and I'm
1: I, I'm probably I'm probably somewhat unique because uh, I know nobody else has done this but when I was 26 years old i was a completely different person than I am now absolutely all of us and, are uh, all of us are everybody everybody ought to think twice before they start throwing rocks because uh, they might hit their own glass house so I, I just I, I don't know either one of the candidates. I'm not taking either one of their sides or anything else. I just think that Republicans have a real problem throwing people under the bus. And then people pile on instead of questioning whether or not uh, uh, they can save somebody or not. And, and I, I just uh, think that's a huge mistake. So that—that's my comment. Hey,
0: uh, it's called News and Views. Thanks for your views, Lang. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. The—he's—I uh, mean, he might win. He might pull it off. I, I think Chuck Edwards is a uh, is a good candidate. Uh, I, well, a number of the candidates are good candidates. But you know, it's interesting. Um, is her name Michelle Woodhouse? She is running in that race as well, and she used to be on the Madison Cawthorn team and. You know, he said he was going to run, I think it was over in uh, the 13th district. I believe I got that number right. And so she decided she'd jump into the 11th district race. And then Madison changed his mind and said, well, now I'm going to run in the 11th district. Uh, There's just been a lot of things that have been confusing and awkward. And, uh, you know... I guess there's two ways at looking at what Lang said, you know, the, the Democrats circle the wagons and protect their own. I understand that. But, you know, there are times that it would be um, are, are there not times where you ought to call out when there's mistakes being made? Do you not try to make the whole team stronger? I mean, there, there, there are times where Democrats, yeah, they, they, won't, they don't dare get out of line. And, I mean, look, look at the ridiculous things they're defending. I mean, this whole uh, – the, the whole woke movement that they don't dare speak against. I mean, my gosh. I mean, uh, a biological male says they're a woman, and, and, boy, the woke crowd and the Democrats, oh, you you don't dare get out of line on that. I mean, there there are times that I think you, you – I understand okay and and not I, I don't know is, is are, are these Republicans throwing him under the bus? I mean did what Madison thought Cawthorn say about um, or I mean the inference was on the orgies and the drug use the inference was these were Republicans doing this so who was throwing who under the bus? But I, I tell you, Lying, I agree entirely with you, the idea of apprenticeship. And a young man like Madison Cawthorne, the first thing he should have done is gone and found a couple of people that had been around the Beltway a few times that he admired that were up in D.C. in Congress that had some experience. And uh, he should have gone to them and said, would you be so kind as to mentor me? Unfortunately, I don't think that has happened. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe He ought to do it. Town Hall is reporting the Biden administration announced it will extend the government's pause on student loan repayments till the end of August. You know what's curious about this? And Town Hall made a great point of pointing this out. Joe Biden is telling us that his plans that the Biden build back better and all the other garbage he's been pushing has created just incredible economic prosperity, that's all he talks about is just the millions and millions of jobs he's created, and everybody has got more money to spend. So, if the economy is that good, Joe, then why are you extending this moratorium on uh, repaying student loans? AOC's out there yesterday talking about you need just to, she was ticked that he just extended it to August. She's out there, you need to forgive all the loans. Well, that'll help the economy. Joe Biden is decided. We got one more uh, uh, break we got to take. We do. okay. let's go ahead and take it. I got an interesting story about Joe Biden nominating someone who you wouldn't believe to the Federal Elections Commission. We'll talk about that when we get back.
1: The show that really makes you
0: think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So Biden's chairman of the Joint Chiefs staff, uh, General Mark Milley, predicted back in February in a closed briefing to Congress that It would only take Russia 72 hours to take Kiev, 72 hours. Of course, now it's been over a month. Today, Millie goes back and says, okay, this could last for years. (laughs) Is, Is our intelligence that bad? I mean, it wasn't even close. Joe Biden's pick to serve on the Federal Elections Commission, his pick is representing Stacey Abrams' nonprofit and Raphael Warnock's church in a lawsuit that challenged the validity of Georgia's 2018 election, due in part to the state's use of unreliable electronic voting machines. In November of 2018, election lawyer Dara Lindenbaum signed on to a federal legal complaint on behalf of Abrams, this is Stacey Abrams, fair fight action. The complaint challenged the constitutionality of Georgia's 2018 election, which saw Abrams lose to Republican Brian Kemp in a race she never conceded. Still hasn't. I mean, everybody complains about Donald Trump, but Stacey Abrams, she's all right. Um... According to the complaint, the state of Georgia grossly mismanaged the election by depriving Georgia citizens, and particularly citizens of color, for their fundamental right to vote. Could you give us some proof? As a result, the complaint said Georgia's election violated the first 14th, 15th amendments to the United States Constitution. The complaint also lamented the use of insecure and unreliable electronic voting machines that lack a paper trail. And thus can't be audited. Well, there's something there we agree on. <laughs> I'm all for going back to paper ballots. While the lawsuit remains active, Fair Fight and other plaintiffs amended the complaint in December of 2020 to remove many of its assertions detailing problematic voting machines. Oh, so you now you like the problematic voting machines. <laughs> Roughly three years later, after Lindenbaum signed the original complaint, Biden nominated the attorney to serve on the Federal Elections Commission, a regulatory agency that helps shape U.S. election laws. So basically what you have here, they can't pass their uh, unconstitutional election laws that they that Nancy Pelosi and Charles the Clown Schumer have been pushing. Um, they cannot get rid of the Electoral College. So what are they going to do? Uh, basically, this is ju- this is equivalent to judicial activism at the Federal Elections Commission. Jason Sneed, who is with Honest Elections Project Action, he's the executive director, called Lindenbaum's nomination, quote, troubling. <laughs> that might be the understatement of the year. Can you imagine re, – remember um, the attorney um, down in Georgia, the guy by the name of Lynn Wood? You remember him. We talked a lot about him right after the election. He was very involved with um, – who was the uh, – Sydney, uh, the, the female. who was also very involved in defending Donald Trump, and they, they kept coming out, and they say they had irrefutable, irrefutable evidence – that fraud had taken place. Now, I I still do think there was fraud that has taken place, but I think people like Lynn Wood overplayed his hand. He sort of disappeared from the face of the earth, but he was very, very outspoken, uh, very defensive of Trump, very accusatory that something bad had happened in the election in terms of illegal activity, and uh, very defiant against the idea that Uh, Joe Biden had won a legal election. But I say all that to say, can you imagine if Donald Trump had been elected president, which he he might be in 2024, that he would nominate somebody like Lynn Wood to the Federal Elections Commission? Can you imagine the foaming at the mouth by the mainstream media and liberals in general? (laughs) I mean, it would... It'd be unconscionable. And listen, I don't think it'd be a good idea. But Joe Biden, progressives, their, uh, their gal, she's going to uh, ship, ship and look, look she'll probably get on there. Has to go by the Senate. But you got uh, the likes of Susan Collins, Lisa Mikowski. You got the likes of uh, old what's-his-name out of Utah. Mitt Romney. What's with Mitt Romney? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Raphael Warnock, his ex-wife, Alwainu Indoy. I think she's Spanish, I believe, she is accusing her husband, Raphael Warnock, of violating their custody agreement by refusing to pay child care expenses. This out of the Free Beacon. uh, Warnock is uh, raising money for his political career, the ex-wife said. He's ignoring the financial needs of his own children. Endoy asked a court to hold Warnock in contempt in February for allegedly violating their custody agreement. She claimed that Warnock left her financially strapped by skipping out on his visitation days and refusing to reimburse her for child expenses. Didn't Warnock run as a pastor? I mean, wasn't that his occupation, supposedly? Okay. Well, maybe she's uh, a uh, black Hispanic. My producer whispered in my ear that uh, she's African American. But, uh, I mean, Warnock, he's supposed to be this noble pastor, right? Divorced his wife and not paying child support. Uh, this is disturbing but not surprising when you consider judges. And I, 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 couldn't, I tried to find out who this judge was, but one of the suspects in Sunday's mass shooting in Sacramento was sentenced for beating up his girlfriend and forcing her into prostitution, He was sentenced to 10 years in jail. And by the way, he's got many other uh, charges and uh, things on his rap sheet. Not a good dude. Served just four years of a 10-year sentence. Smiley Allen Martin. He was the second man arrested in the wake of uh, Sunday's mass shooting. Um, The parole board begged the judge, don't let this guy go. He's incorrigible. He's dangerous. He's violent. And the judge, and again, I haven't been able to find out who the judge is. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he was a Democrat. <laughs> I think that's a pretty sturdy limb to stand on. Um, they begged. They begged him. Don't let this guy go. Uh, they did. He and his brother shot and killed six. And look, This was black on black crime for no reason. They just went down to an entertainment section of Sacramento and started shooting. Unbelievable. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.